0: Hello, this is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission. And this podcast can help you do that. Today, before we get started, I want you to give this audio clip a listen. It comes from a TED Talk dated December 3rd, 2014.
1: I have a favorite word and a favorite sentence. This one word and this one sentence has impacted my life personally, my home life, the vocation I'm a part of, this region, and in some respects, the world. Just one word and one sentence, and the sentence has seven words in it. So I suppose you want to know what the one word is. Well, the one word is a simple word that you use a lot. I use a lot. It only has three letters. It's a word that is, you can read it forward and backwards. It's the same word. It's really good for dyslexics like myself. I always think that maybe God knew that I was dyslexic because he had my parents name me Bob. <laughs> and this word is just like that. Three letters. And this word
0: is wow. The voice you just heard is Bob Bauer. Bob's the senior pastor of Faith Church in Dyer, Indiana. Faith is a multi site congregation, it's one church in six locations. Bob and his wife, Lori, have four married children and six grandchildren. He's known as someone who loves the local church and raises up next generation leaders. Bob's also a reluctant writer. His book, U-Turn Church, has helped thousands of leaders implement meaningful, healthy revitalization in their own churches. Bob's not just a champion of visionary church leadership. He's also a person who cares deeply for situations of struggle and brokenness, especially broken marriages. I'm also blessed to say that Bob's been a friend for more than 20 years now. I met him when I was a young buck in seminary, and I can say with total confidence that he's the real deal. Bob's been a consistent, faithful, courageous leader. We're blessed to have him on the podcast today. So without further ado, here's our conversation. All right, I'm here with uh, Bob Bauer. Bob Bauer is the senior pastor at Faith Church in Dyer, Indiana. He's someone who God is using uh, not only to impact that local church, but its multiple campuses and also networks of churches in, in different places. And it's a great joy to have you here with me. Bob, welcome.
1: Thank you, buddy. Yeah, it's good to connect with you, too.
0: Yeah, Bob and I have known each other for years. We have mutual friends and mutual connections, one of them being Kevin Harney.
1: You bet. Good man. <laughs> good man.
0: Well, brother, thanks for taking the time to uh, to connect and to make some time to, to chat a little bit to just to help those of us uh, in the audience, those in our audience who don't know uh, who you are or what you're all about. Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry setting and about your your congregation?
1: You bet. Well, I've been here 28 years, pastor at Faith in the South Suburbs of Chicago and Northwest Indiana. And in 1990, it came and the church was self-identified as plateaued and declining, and a church filled with great people who love Jesus, but were stuck and had great theology and doctrine. Um, But in God's providence, he allowed a leader like myself to come and say, are you sure you want to go on this journey? And we Mm. began the journey of seeking uh, how to become uh, an outreach focused church without losing the moorings of our gospel doctrine theology. And in God's to God's glory. Uh, Faith Now is a church of six sites around Northwest Indiana in the southern part of Chicagoland. Wow. And it's been quite a ride. It's amazing. Uh, very, very thankful. So you
0: guys went from being a church that was struggling, plateaued. How how long had the church been established before you came on as, as the lead pastor?
1: Yeah, it was about 22 years old, and they had peaked at about um, they started out in a gymnasium typical you know 1970s. Sure, gr- grew um, to about uh, four, five hundred. And then when I came, they were at about 200 plus and okay. they had kind of lost their their way, to be honest with you, not with Jesus. They love the Lord always. yeah, long, but they had lost their way in terms of what could the church be like in a local community. Wow.
0: So what, it, I mean, it, they, they must've identified for you some things that they said, we know these are issues. And then there had to be some things that maybe you had to identify for them that were issues. What were some of the things that they were able to self-identify and say, okay, this, these are,
1: these are things we know are a problem. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing, Adam, um, I would say is I realized that their vision was to exist. now i think that's not i mean we laugh you and i laugh as brothers and leaders of church but the truth is i think many churches the congregation's vision for the future is to exist Hmm. whereas oftentimes the pastor has a vision that maybe god instilled that is so much greater so much more impactful in the community and that's one of the first hurdles i had to um educate and uh, disciple is to say what is that preferred vision of what could be and tr- so that the people saw, oh, so our vision isn't to just week to week pay the checks, pay the bills, support the missionaries, but something uh, possibly grander Does that makes sense why do
0: you yeah it totally it totally makes sense. Why do you think it is that so many local communities, so many local churches they 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 ro- roll into that place of just being satisfied with existence. What do you th- what do you think makes that very often the the default position?
1: Yeah, I think it's human nature. I think it's biological like our bodies where mm-hmm. if you just exist, you atrophy. I I I'm a runner for 38 years and I fractured my foot in the middle of summer and it fascinated me my left calf shrunk in a cast in 1 month over an inch in diameter. <laughs> it felt the same
0: Oh I, I literally
1: didn't even notice it because it was in a cast. But what I'm trying to say is that's the same thing. I think that happens so naturally in the church. If we're not careful, atrophy sets in. Yeah, you, you kind of use it or lose it principle. Exactly. And so that the crucial starting point was for them to acknowledge that there may be a preferred future. Otherwise, it's, it's shrinking, constant yeah. battle.
0: So if you're not moving forward, you're going to naturally kind of sit still. And as you sit still, you're going to shrink and you're going to die.
1: No doubt about it.
0: So what what in your experience? I mean, you came in, and it's, it's one thing. I I I have a similar story in, in my congregation, nowhere near as, as as explosive as what you've experienced. But coming into a church that had gone through, you know, shrinking down and getting low, and then, okay, we need to do something. Uh, it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, we knew we need to do something. It's another thing to actually. Uh, do it and face the obstacles. So what are some of the biggest obstacles that you guys faced in making those necessary changes to to get
1: up and out? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wish I could say it was super easy and, (laughs) (laughs) but that would be lying and that'd be a breaking of the ninth commandment. So there we got to go back to what's the truth. The truth is change is not a four letter word, but it may be should become one (laughs) because it requires change. And that means a discipleship change. I literally had to begin in a church of 200 plus discipling the leaders. And I would select key leaders and start meeting with them to disciple them, to change the mindset of what does it mean to be a biblically functioning church? Um, Yes, certainly it's got to have the inward care for one another and discipleship, but it has to have a dynamic that is, gospel that's proclaiming Jesus Christ in the community. So it did require a mindset discipleship change, as well as changes, literal. Um, For us, we had to rethink, what is worship? Um, Hmm. And I, I know this, remember, this is 90s, in the 90s. So we had to think through, if you go through the FM and AM dial, the radio, you would not find classical church organ and hymnody. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, you know, I grew up in that. But for faith church in our context, you can't find it in an FM, but it was in every single church. Sure. And most of those churches were not. So we had to reconfigure worship in a way that engaged the heart as well as the mind. Hmm. And so that was a big thing as a part of a, and then of course, the mindset change, there was a worship change and there was, you know, the literally are you going to go on mission with us? There was a, a change of the commitment of the people and God, for some reason blessed it, which I give him all the glory.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you touch music and you're touching stuff uh, that, that is near and dear to people's heart. And what I hear you saying though, is that this isn't just about cause there, there's it's some people want to say, you know, it's, 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 is a it doctrinal or is it cosmetic? You're saying there has, there has to be change at the level of our thinking and there has to be a willingness to change at at some of these things that um some people would say are surface level stuff music styles things like that how did you help people navigate that that process of seeing okay we we need to make some changes but that doesn't mean we're fundamentally changing the truth of what we believe as a church
1: oh adam great question well for me and you we we know one another. <laughs> it sure. has to be biblical. It has to yeah. be biblical. So great story real quickly. Uh, one of our old time elders, godly man, he's in heaven now with Jesus, but he was struggling with the changes in worship, really struggling. And so uh, I called him up and said, hey, can we do coffee? We met at a restaurant. I said, take your Bible along. No problem. So we both had our Bibles out. And, and I humorously said to him, I said, um, and I named his name. I said, brother, I said, we're going to play a game, Bible bingo. We're going to play. I'm going to say, okay, I'll, you look up the first word in the Bible that finds the word organ, church organ. I'll find percussion. Ready, cassette, go. And he just looked at me and goes, you got me. (laughs) And I said, I said, brother, I love you, but I want to tell you something. The scripture calls us to a rhythmic worship there's nothing wrong with an organ. But I remember the word organ isn't in the Bible and we're biblical Christians. So I'm not saying that you, that organ is bad. It's a wonderful instrument. But what God did is he shifted the mindset of this man going, that's right. We have to be right. biblically approaching outreach, discipleship, multiplication. Right. And I also said to him, because a lot of times people during the changes, people started coming alive in Christ and you know, then it was the old, oh, I miss the old church. We had one services. Well, at that time we had four services on Sunday morning and I missed the one service. And I, I just would take them back to the scriptures and say, look, my understanding of scripture, let's go there with me. If something is alive, it's meant to multiply.
0: Mm.
1: If something's alive, if the gospel is alive in some person, there will be a multiplication. If there's a, if there is something alive in a church, it should be multiplying ministries, and so part of it, Adam was just discipling them biblically. Uh, sure, you know, telling I always make a differentiation between what is biblical versus personal preferences.
0: Yeah, well, and that's that's just so enormous in in everything. I mean, you. you It's amazing people can understand that when it comes to, you know, your workplace. I mean, everybody knows when you go to work, there are going to be parts of the job. You like parts you don't like. People understand that when it comes to marriage. I mean, if you're going to have a healthy marriage, you know, you got to have two people who are willing to compromise. And yet sometimes when it comes to the local church, people feel like the moment something shifts from what they love to something they're not as fond of, it's like suddenly the gospel's at stake.
1: Yeah. Well, Adam, we had some senior— that are they're now in their 80s and 90s who have stayed with the church through all these changes wow the truth is some of them still don't prefer the style of the worship experience but they absolutely are addicted to seeing people who are dead in Christ, who are now alive, seeing people who are far from the Lord reconnect in Jesus Christ. And they said that would far. So mission becomes more important than their own personal preference. And I think that's a marker of a church that seeks to turn around.
0: And at some level, there has to be a trust established between those people and the leadership who's saying, hey, this is where we need to go. There needs to be a trust established that, hey, we're not doing this just to be the cool new hip church on the block. We're doing this because we really, we want to reach lost people with the gospel of Jesus. Um, And if, if they believe that they trust that the leader is pointed in that direction and these changes are for that purpose, then I've my experience too, like yours, Bob, is that people are willing to go down that road, even if it's against some of their Mm -hmm. preferences. How did did you establish that level of trust with people?
1: Oh, that's good, Adam. So I just consulted a church um, recently and the pastor, I had to, um, I can't believe I'm saying, I had to slow him down. (laughs) But people just (laughs) laugh when they hear Bob Bauer slowing down. (laughs) But the truth is I had to slow him down because I said to him, your people need to trust you. They need to see your heart. Before yeah. they're going to follow you, so I had to establish that, and that came relationally first, way more. I mean, several years to be frank of building a trust to say that, and the, prove to the church that I was a man built on the Word of God, um, and that I wasn't some like you said hipster. Uh, well, there I was. am too old to be hipster, but it's <laughs> uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but it, it, there had to be a trust to say, okay, this guy's walking with Jesus. He's pra- a man of prayer. He. He loves his wife, and he's worth following. And I think that's discipleship. Amen. Well, it's, you know,
0: again, Bob, I mean, just coming into my setting where, you know, a small country church that had gone through massive pain and suffering, and it was a church that was, you know, 50 years old, and to come into a setting like that, and um, to me, what I came in with, I came in with the conviction that people who really love Jesus really love the word. Yes. And people who really love the word can be taught to really love the mission. And to me, there's no quicker bridge for that than people seeing that. Hey, look, I, I, my heartbeat is here. It's it's to to, to help us live into. Uh, the biblical vision of the mission of the church. No and no. when people see that that's the foundation, it's not like you're just here for your own ambition to build some big church, mm. but you're you're actually here to help us become better Christians. I think true Christians, they want that.
1: Yes, exactly. And it does take, on the pew level, it takes the average member, it takes a commitment to do this. I remember yeah. one of our lead elders, um, he's still alive, he's still at church, he's in his mid 80s. He stood before his colleagues in ministry, if you will, his own church that he's been a part of since it opened up 55 years ago. And he said to the congregation, he said, I've always loved foreign missions. What I've always was fascinated is missionaries had to first learn the culture before they could bring the gospel. Mm -hmm. And he said, congregation, we have to be missionaries. So some of us have to give up our cultural preferences for, for the, what the church looks like in order to be missionaries in the south suburbs of Chicago. Pivotal wow. moment. An yeah. elder in the church sharing to the congregation during this U-turn process. Yeah, yeah that, was, that
0: was, uh, it was a guy explaining contextualization who maybe didn't have a seminary degree.
1: Exactly right. Oh, <laughs> so fun.
0: So, Bob, uh, you've you've not just uh, walked through this and are still walking through this with your church, but you've 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 written about it. You've uh, you've formed an organization to help churches do this. Can you tell us a little bit about your book, U you Turn Church, mm-hmm. and about the organization that you formed to help lead
1: leaders through this process? You bet. So, it's, I'm a reluctant writer. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy talking more than writing, but um, I'm a reluctant writer. And basically, Kevin Harney and I, Baker. Publishing came to us and said, Hey, you guys have unique stories. One is a rural church turnaround, one is suburban. Would you be willing to wrestle with that? And then, to to my fascination and to, to the glory of God, God has used that book remarkably. In fact, last week I was in Wisconsin speaking to 80 church leaders, pastors, and elders. And the guy who introduced me walks up and said, Folks, I just want to tell you something. I just took our board through U Turn Church and he started crying. He's like, it's almost like, Bob, you don't have to be here because our Whoa. our board was so rocked by that book. And I'm like, God, you're so amazing. Because, you know, it's it's just, yeah, it's the Lord. But Amen. yeah, so so yeah, the, the principles there are real earthy. Um, the, I think what the people, like a guy in England called me and just said, hey, our board loves your book. You know, can I quote you, whatever. And the long story short, he said, it's tangible. It, it speaks the language of a church that's stuck or declining. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you just speak freshness to that. And so then what beyond the book, I'm thankful for that. Um, it is probably the coaching of churches that the U-Turn Ministries has uh, really enjoyed. So a church will call up and say, hey, we're church of 150. We used to be a lot stronger in the community. We're not. And so what we do is we just walk alongside them. We don't say to them, here's the program. You take these steps, it'll happen. We yeah. realize this is the Lord. This is God's doing. He, you know. I always say churches are like a basketball team. There's seven foot tall centers that are really significant, but just as important as a small point guard and churches are like that too. And we're, so we're just trying to walk alongside churches, uh, coaching, consulting them, helping and praying, asking God, can you do something that kind of turns it a little bit? Yeah. Well, so much at the heart of it is the, is the issue of health,
0: um, Uh, So many times churches have reached the point of stagnation because they've reached a point where they're not healthy anymore. They're not on mission anymore. And so I'm I'm guessing the bullseye of what you're trying to do is help these people rediscover their mission and the mission again.
1: Absolutely. And that's an ongoing process. I mean, that isn't – it's not like faith church or or peace, your church, has found it. Okay, we're hitting on all cylinders. It's a constant (laughs) revitalization process. Amen.
0: Well, that's the story of God's people, isn't it? Totally. I mean – the, the the idea of Reformation didn't start in the 1500s. It goes back to Ezekiel, and uh, I mean, you, you, or and, and even further back to Nehemiah. I mean, the people of God constantly have to be brought back to the Word of God to be renewed to pursue the mission of God.
1: You bet. And some of this, some of this is just plain and simple spiritual um, renewal and revival is a spiritual event because yes. sometimes there's been spiritual attacks that have destroyed the church. It's you know, the church in Revelation. You know, you become lukewarm. Did they yeah. wake up and say, hey, let's make a vision of being a lukewarm church?
0: No. It
1: happened. It happened.
0: Yeah. So if someone wanted to connect with U-Turn Ministries, how how would they do that?
1: They'd contact Adam. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't <laughs> no, do that, please. No, no. no, no. <laughs> uh, U-Turnchurch.com. We've got, um, yeah, the U-Turn, you could just Google U-Turn Ministries, and it'll pop Good. up. Faith Church, and you may see a Faith Church Connect there. And sure. uh, yeah, we, we enjoy that process. It's, I mean, it's... A daunting task because I can't. I have to walk in and guarantee churches say this is God's doing. If you yeah. expect us to turn around, it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: well, so many. Ch- and and the, the the thing I love about uh, U-turn and your vision, Bob, is is that here's the truth. As as much as we love to talk about church planting, and we do, I love church planting. I love multiplication. Mm-hmm. I love new things getting started. Uh, the truth is, the majority of Christians find themselves in churches that have been there for a long time, and. Uh, the majority of churches are in that place. And then sadly, right now in the United States, a lot of churches are in that state of plateau and decline. And so what are we going to do? I mean, I don't think the answer is just let all these churches die. Uh, how do we help them revitalize and, and discover the mission again?
1: No doubt. I, um, I That's what actually gets my heart pumping is actually seeing a church that at one time would be considered healthy and flourishing and saying, okay, I think there is a God who loves to take dead things and make them come alive. Amen. I.e. his son who did yeah. it. His resurrection can happen in a church. And I believe it. So one of our focus in Chicago, there are literally hundreds of churches in Chicago that are vacant. They're literally mm. empty. And I'm just saying, God, could you, would you revitalize these churches? Mm, that's it, beautiful. I'm sorry, go ahead, Bob. I didn't cut yeah, you off. No, no, and I think for me, Again, I I like to Adam. I'm a bottom line guy. I try really hard to be a realist, and I just want to be real with you that when people hear hear churches like Peace or Faith or whatever church that's fruitful and multiplying, it's still a battle. I don't want to say that oh everything's perfect at Faith Church. I want to say we're on mission, and I think outreach is um, it comes in waves. It's you know waves come, and then there's a gap, and there's another wave. I see evangelism that way, discipleship that way. I think sure. it right now I would say do faith church needs a little bit of a a change and again using Kevin Hardy's language, an organic um kind of like boost of evangelism again. Sure. So we are going to become more intentional on the outreach because we've become a little bit kind of satisfied in the multiplication of churches and in the you know God's changing people's lives. But we I could just sense God saying, Hey, preach, practice what you preach, Bauer. Amen. You know, so, Bob, um, we've we've been talking
0: about what it takes to be a church that is continually moving forward. How has organic outreach played a role at Faith Church
1: for you guys being able to do that? Well, I Adam, mean, that's a great question, and and I had a fun experience a couple weeks ago I was in a meeting, and we were talking about something. All of a sudden, someone said, "Oh, well, what about what about the two percent rule? Remember Harney's two percent rule?" And all of a sudden, you could just feel the whole room go, "That's right," because honestly. If a church is not aware, they do become inward focused just by nature. And what the two degree rule of, of the organic outreach is, that's right. Remember, just a little shift towards the, for those outside of the kingdom of God, the gospel people who are trying to reach, those who are lost dead in sin. And sure enough, the room changed its focus and said, that's right. This event that we're working on needs to have that organic outreach bend towards the mm. gospel. it was so helpful. And so it continues (laughs) to be, because otherwise you, yeah, otherwise you do become inward focused. It's crazy. Just about us.
0: Yeah. Well, Bob, I just want to say thanks so much for being with us. It's been great talking with you.
1: Oh, thanks, Adam. Really enjoyed the time. Yeah, we'll be praying
0: for you and for your ministry. And uh, we want to thank you again for being here. And if you want to learn more about uh, Bob and the work there at Faith Church, uh, check out U-Turn Church. uh, Check out Faith Church Dyer, Indiana, and uh, make your way out to your favorite bookseller and pick up a copy of U-Turn Church to learn Mm. more about their journey. All right. God bless, brother. We'll see you.
1: Thanks, bud. Yeah, bye. Yeah, bye.
0: Well, I hope you heard what I did in that conversation. I heard a pastor in love with the church and on fire for the lost. I heard a story of God's faithfulness and what it really means to have a faith in the local church. You know, we live in a time when a lot of churches are dying out, they're graying out, or they're just fading out. Revitalization is a reality. It's something that we need to see happen in the local church. And as you heard, a focus on outreach is at the very center. It's at the heart of revitalization in any congregation. The truth is most pastors serve in churches that were there before they got there. And those churches are probably going to be continuing after those pastors leave. So we all need to ask ourselves a question. What does it look like to lead a church into a new season of growth and transformation and revitalization? Well, you just got a really clear picture of what that looks like. To learn more about it, I would encourage you to pick up Bob's book. It was co-authored with Kevin Harney. It's called U-Turn Church. You can also learn more and even get some consulting at u-turnministries.org. I also want to give you a chance to hear one more time this opportunity to join us in Monterey for an event with Lee trouble So give this a listen.
1: Come join us for The Case for the Gospel on October 13th. At this one day event, Pulitzer Prize winning author, Lee Strobel, will share the evidence for both the gospel and miracles. We'll have five different breakout sessions from a number of speakers and teachers, and lunch is provided. So Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, but so what, I could claim to be the Son of God. You could claim to be God, anybody can claim to be God, but if Jesus claimed to be God, died, and then three days later rose from the dead, that's pretty good evidence he's telling the truth, right? Uh, that's why the resurrection is the
0: linchpin of the Christian
1: faith. Don't miss out. Register online at shoreline.church today. And also, join us the next day on Sunday, October 14th, for a showing of the movie based on Lee's investigation into the resurrection and coming to faith, followed by a Q&A with Lee himself. It's happening from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock p.m., register online at shoreline.church we'll see you there
0: well that's it for this episode if you've been enjoying the organic outreach podcast please rate it and share it with your friends we have some more great guests lined up for the weeks to come also we'll soon be doing some book giveaways you're not going to want to miss that finally i'd love to hear from you are you a leader Are you implementing organic outreach in your local church context? Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a question to ask? If so, email us at info at organicoutreach.org. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe we'll even invite you to have a conversation with us on this podcast. For now, this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.